0: This is the Pro-America Report on The Answer, San Diego.
2: Welcome, welcome, welcome. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Great to be together today. And uh, a lot happening in Washington, D.C., the swamp, getting ready for the Pro-Life March on Friday. Um, And before that, there's always a series of events. There'll be an incredible dinner over at the uh, Museum of the Bible on Thursday night. I plan to attend with my wife. Uh, There'll be an expo. Um, there is an expo uh, for uh, pro-life expo at one of the big hotels. There's, of course, the March for Life and lots of different uh, religious services, uh, Catholic masses, um, uh, Protestant uh, celebrations, and also uh, all different other faith denominations. It's, it's, a, it's an extraordinary thing and interesting because it's the first year after Roe v. Wade. Uh, has been overturned and Dobe Bolton. It's kind of a different feel. And so we're looking forward to it. I'll be, uh, with Bridget Van Means of Thrive Nation out of St. Louis. Um, she's extraordinary, uh, service pregnancy resources, uh, focused on the mother. Um, and we'll spend some time with her. All right. Today, uh, we've got two great interviews, one about a book and one about a movie. The book is John Paul Mac Isaac's book on his experience as a small business owner a computer repair man, and what happens when you accept Hunter Biden's laptop. And uh, uh, what a saga and a story John Paul Mac Isaac has. He uh, lost his business. He moved out of Delaware, where he's from. Um, he basically was um, thrown for a loop. He he went back to Delaware after he'd uh, had a series of death threats and other things. And and he I I've heard him talk about it. He was on Huckabee the other night. He basically holed up in his home and wrote a book because he had to get um, his story out and try to get solvent. He was uh, basically on the on on the on the edge of uh, bankruptcy. So interesting man. Uh, lovely spirit. Uh, actually, uh, I talked to him in preparation for the interview. He's not a he's not a bitter guy. He's interesting. So the other one is uh, um, the, the, the left behind movies, left behind Rise of the Antichrist. Uh, starring Kevin Sorbo, Corbin Benson, a number of other stars, a full on movie, uh, the number to the second book of the Left Behind series by Tim LaHaye, the late Tim La- LaHaye, and Jerry Jenkins, the, uh, uh, authors, uh, of that book, the series of, uh, of dozens and dozens of books. And the premise, of course, is the rapture happens. And then, uh, according to scripture, what happens next? Uh, In fact, the book, I think the second book is called Tribulation Force. Um, But anyway, we'll talk with Kevin Sorbo, uh, the great Kevin Sorbo, famous as an actor, uh, uh, a superstar uh, of uh, Hercules, but now an accomplished um, producer, director, and he'll be starring in this film. So we'll talk with him uh, about that. But first, uh, let me talk to you about uh, President Donald Trump over on Truth Social. Uh, A couple days ago, he tweeted about Um, the uh, rise in attacks on lawyers. And he's specifically talking about, of course, Rudy Giuliani and Jeff Clark and others that are targeted by uh, the bar associations and by uh, uh, people trying to end their careers and take away their law licenses. And um, first of all, it's interesting that he tweeted uh, our truth about that. It's It's kind of Truth Social's version of tweeting. Um, because it's something that I've become more and more aware of. You know, there is a, a project called the 65 Project, and the 65 Project is meant to target the lawyers who were a part of any of the 65 election lawsuits post-2020. Now, think about this. You've got a nonprofit, the 65 Project, raising money to target lawyers. And again, if your lawsuit is frivolous, you can be sanctioned. But if you just disagree with a lawsuit politically, that shouldn't be what we're doing here. And President Trump's uh, uh, comments on this, I think, are kind of important for this moment. He, he actually wrote on uh, on uh, in one of these about um, uh, he, he said, I, th- I always thought the lawyers had a very special and revered place in our country. And then he goes into how the lawyers, including Michael Cohen, the FBI, let him down. Let him down, let him down. And so first, the first thing is far too many lawyers. And I think this is right, are unethical, are, are, are lacking in. And it used to be that you were called to the bar. That was the phrase they did. Now, what they meant was that the clerk would call your name out and you would come up to the bar and you would sign your name into the rolls, and you'd be a lawyer. But there was a certain calling also, meaning a, a vocation that you were a, a, an administer, an officer of the court, still how you talk, still how it's referred to today. And you had a special role in the implementation of justice and in America, we can say we hated lawyers and politicians, but we counted on the American rule of law, law and order, a very unique American trait that the world envied and He said basically the uh, that the, the the reality of first the first truth social from trump of how lawyers are letting us down that's real that's real not just greedy people unethical people but then he goes on a second truth about it's open season on the lawyers on their files on their work on their lives and they're attacked by the radical left he mentions Rudy Giuliani by name but that's right city and state prosecutors are are targeting the attorney general of New York ran for the office and said, I'm going to get Trump. She didn't say, I'm going to enforce the laws and find them. he said, I'm going to, she said, I'm going to get Trump. I will drive Trump out of office. And, and Trump goes on. His third uh, truth was about how it's been aimed at him. It's been aimed at him, but the lawfare is aimed at everybody, everybody that's against the powers that be. And if you're watching Elon Musk's Twitter files, as the Twitter files come out, you say to yourself, holy cow, I never believed. Well, no, I I thought that they were targeting conservatives at Twitter, but I never understood that they were being directed and aided and, and encouraged by government and by government lawyers. And then you say to yourself, look what's happening with the January 6th defendants. Look how the lawfare is being waged again. You can argue about if somebody breaks a window or pushes a cop, they should be charged. But they shouldn't be charged with felony obstruction of an official proceeding, which has never been used except for witness tampering. In this case, it's being used for something akin to, uh, I don't know, uh, civil disobedience. Like some sort of, if civil disobedience goes past the norms that the left wants us to have, then they're going to be able to use this felony charge of obstruction of official proceeding against we, the people. I believe that what Donald Trump is signaling in these three truths, truth social, these truths that he t- tweeted, or however you say it, that he put out there, is a major problem. It is, the, it is at the center of, forget about people's distrust of Congress. Even forget about, for a moment, their distrust in things like the experts and CDC the fundamental thing that the people in this country trusted that if they distrust if they lose trust in is actually at the foundation of america is the rule of law it doesn't mean by the way that the rule of law is always perfect that's not what it means we've always had imperfection we've always had corruption but if the system is is understood as corrupted if the system is understood as rigged if the system is understood as being used against people based on political positions, based on preferences. That's a corruption at the heart of the American experience. Forget about the American experiment. The American experience is the constitution, the rule of law, the Judeo-Christian values that are ethical, moral, that you honor a deal, a contract, because the law honors it, that's true, but also because the law is echoing the, the positive law, the statutes are echoing the natural, the divine law that we all believe in. And if the people in the country begin to feel profoundly that the system is rigged against us, as Donald Trump signaled, that lawyers and the legal system are targeting groups and people. It's a big problem. Now, let me pause and draw a correlation. Draw, draw, just, just draw a, a, a thought experiment. There are groups of people, honest people, intellectually honest people that would say, hey, the system in America was rigged against African-Americans, saying that the law was set up. The system, they'll say, was rigged against women. And in so far as the, the system needed correction. I think we've generally seen the correction, the right to vote, uh, laws that protect against discrimination. But fundamentally, even the corrections were based on something, based on a an understanding of we, the people, of equality under the law, of justice under the law. We have a situation where the lawyerly class lawyers and judges, that we expect to be moral and ethical, to lead and, 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 and cultivate and manage and, and support the system at the heart of America, the Constitution, the rule of law, the Judeo-Christian values, that group, the lawyerly class, is failing us. They're failing us. And that's a major threat to the country. That's a major threat to our success. Much bigger than a lack of trust in the CDC. Honestly, I don't trust the CDC. I don't trust the NIH. But frankly, I want them limited and eliminated anyway. But the rule of law, our system, it's gotta work. Or the thing falls apart. All right, we'll come back and talk with John Paul Mac, uh, Mac Isaac and also Kevin Sorbo. We'll be right back. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Back in a moment. Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Our next guest, I I have to say, um, I just was talking with him off the air. Uh, John Paul MacIsaac did not sign up to be a public figure. And you might have seen him on Huckabee recently. He's uh, done a lot of interviews. I just, I, I, I can't imagine, um, you know, some of us signed on to be in the public uh, arena a bit. Uh, but uh, he was really pulled into it. He's the uh, gentleman who, he's written a book by the way, the important American injustice, my battle to expose the truth uh, about, as he says, a private citizen and uh, the laptop from hell, the, the Hunter Biden laptop. So welcome, uh, John, Paul, Mac Isaac, congratulations on the book. Thank you for being out there. First, um, are you surprised there's even more coverage in the last 24 hours of some of these lying uh, intelligence community officials who said that the Hunter Biden laptop was Russian disinformation, one of them is saying that yeah, he knew it was real. He just was willing to lie. I don't know to save America in his mind. Are you surprised um, that it's finally getting out how, how how bad it was? There must have been moments where you thought they're never going to actually have the truth out there. I'm saying this, and they're not listening. Did you? Are you? Are you pleased? Surprised? Are you frustrated? Where? What's your emotions?
1: Wow. Uh, well, first off, thanks for having me on the show. You're uh, you know, it, it's I've known for a long time. I mean, they wrote that letter. Fifty one intelligence experts wrote that letter two days after the uh, New York Post uh, ran yeah. the story. Right. And, and I knew it wasn't Russian disinformation. I knew I wasn't working with the Russians. I knew it was Hunter that came into my shop and I knew that that was his laptop and that was his data. So I my first question was, how? Why would 51 people, intelligence pillars in our community, throw their careers in the trash over over this And then when I saw the media back them and social media block the story and replace the story with Russian disinformation, and then it all kind of made sense. I was like, my goodness, the collusion that's taking place amongst our federal agencies, our, our media, social and mainstream, and just it was astonishing to me. And I figured this was going to be a long ride that I was in for.
2: Well, I guess that's, that's interesting. So that's when you first said to yourself, okay, this is, uh, I see the lay of the land now. Um, I, I, w- let me, I, let me pause and ask you that. I, I mean. Basically, they were saying I I guess I guess some of the assertion would have been that you were, you know, an unwitting dupe, you know, that the Russians were somehow doing this and you didn't know. But I bet a lot of people in this country that have been brainwashed uh, thought you were working with the Russians. I mean, you you probably I think I know that you had death threats and you had to leave your uh, business. I mean, that that part of it is still stunning to me. But then has that fever broke? Are are, are people willing to stop thinking that way of you or is the brainwashing so thorough that they'll never people will never stop
1: well, the brainwashing was so thorough that people are just starting to realize, and I and I I want to thank Elon for this. Since the release of the first Twitter files, and people started to wake up and realize that wait a second, a there was a laptop, b it's not Russian, and c there was this there was a, an effort to suppress this story, and all of a sudden it's like the floodgates were open. And I started getting death threats again. I actually got a death threat emoji, which I had never seen before, and actually I, I thought that was the most adorable death threat I've received. (laughs) But, and my only response to these people are, are are you kidding me? Like you guys are about two years late to the party. I mean, I've heard all this before, you know, it's, it's just astonishing to me. So, you know, I'm, I'm used to it. It's almost comical uh, because nobody's had the courage or the, the cojones if you will to to actually act anything out uh i haven't seen anybody retaliate physically but i'm still very alert and i and i and i'm very cautious and for that reason i don't leave my home uh you know thank goodness for covid bringing deliverable groceries and anything i need i can i can get delivered because i'm visually impaired so if somebody wanted to do me harm they're gonna it's incredibly easy for them and i don't want to give them that opportunity
2: Mm, i see i didn't realize that part now when you mentioned it it came back to me uh John Paul Mac Isaac is our guest. His book, by the way, is "American Injustice: My Battle to Expose the Truth." So, when you see that there's, and I I, I saw that uh, the Post Hill Press folks, the book is from Post Hill Press, and and uh, uh, one of their team is uh, Melissa. Sent this to me. It's it's a it's, uh, it's a, a great a great phrase. Um, they called the Biden laptop was one thing. That's what you had. Now they called the the Biden files. These files that Joe Biden had in his Hunter Biden's laptop was that one. The Biden files were in you know the the room with the corvette and 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 all this stuff uh but the point here is um in a similar way just before the november election they found the biden files uh uh classified materials in places they shouldn't have been and the fbi sat on it until after the midterm election until january now that must be deja vu to you i mean in other words there's and and frankly you must say to yourself who have i taken on here they'll do anything to cover up the bidens i mean it's incredible isn't it?
1: Well, talk about deja vu. So when the FBI handed me a subpoena for the laptop, yeah. the subpoena number came out of a Baltimore out of the Baltimore Field Office, and it was linked to a white collar money laundering uh, scheme. Some reporter looked it up, uh-huh. and I thought to myself, "How, how, what a great idea! that If you want to hide the laptop of a, a potential president of the United States' son, if you want to hide that somewhere buried in a white collar crime in a, a stack of evidence somewhere." where they'll never find it. And that's the first thing that popped in my head when I saw this trove of top secret documents discovered in the Biden House. If you wanted to get, if, if Joe wanted to get rid of documents that Congress is going to be subpoenaing him for in the next couple of weeks, possibly, what better way to do it is publicly get those documents out the door by stuffing them in a top secret, do not look at envelope and then... Quietly get them out the door. Yeah. So I, I'm very suspect of what's going on. It's way too public. It's way too it's just. It, it seems yeah. peculiar, and it seems like it's a mode of operatus that they've they've done before yeah. with the laptop.
2: Well, and it seems, I, I, the wrong ter- maybe the wrong term, but I think it fits, seems convenient, right? It seems like a convenient mm-hmm. way to do this and then be like, uh, you know, we'll look over here. Um, again, we're talking with John Paul Mac Isaac. He's the author of the book American Injustice, My Battle to Expose the Truth, uh, Post Hill Press, uh, I, publishing some great books these days, and, and they, they've got this one. Um, when you wrote the book, um, you know, people think about writing books. I love talking to authors, and I don't think, you, might, you can correct me if I'm wrong, perhaps you were a writer, but I don't know if you were a professional writer, So you're writing a book. um, It's not easy and it makes you go through things uh, again and maybe some ways go through things thoroughly, you know, uh, once. I mean, in a way, you hadn't stopped and gone through what happened as you did this book, American Injustice. What's your what's your um, you mentioned earlier, cojones, having the cojones to stand up. You certainly have shown that. But what's your lessons learned? What did you come to see about what happened to you through writing the book?
1: Well, first off, I never envisioned myself being an author. Uh, It was—I'm probably the most uh, reluctant author my publisher has ever dealt with. Uh, I I would not have written the book if it weren't for the fact that I got destroyed financially by Twitter when my lawsuit was uh, dismissed with prejudice, and I was awarded—or Twitter was awarded—all the legal fees. I was—I was ruined. I figured I'd never have my opportunity to tell my story or defend my actions or hold those accountable in a court of law again. So I locked myself. I had to come back to Delaware because I was facing bankruptcy, wow. I locked myself in my room for five weeks. I wrote the book, and that was over a year ago. And oh. then nobody wanted to publish it. People just huh. thought I was either a Russian asset or maybe they were afraid their Twitter account would be suspended. But I, I <laughs> for about five months, nobody would return my calls. And if it wasn't for Miranda Devine, who I had the opportunity to speak with, and I pleaded to her, I'm like, you got to help me out. I, I feel like I'm never going to get this story told. And she actually stepped up, and I, I'm grateful for her and her support. So I I never thought I'd have a book. I never thought I needed a book until I realized that the, the establishment, this this cabal of social mainstream media and federal agencies, Department of Justice, they were all intent on making sure my story would never get out.
2: Um, John Paul, you mentioned, uh, um, you mentioned Musk. Under the new leadership of, of Twitter, is there anything they could do for you or was it, is it already in the past? I mean, is all of the, is all of your claims and all of the, uh, the litigation totally in the past?
1: You know the, the beef I had with Twitter and labeling my actions hacking and basically destroying my business. That beef was with the old Twitter. Uh, Elon has brought me more justice than I've seen in the last two and a half years. And well,
2: I'm, well, I'm asking a different question: though. Is there anything they can do? Like, is there still are, do they are, do they have judgment against you still? I mean, could somebody could somebody like Musk say why are we collecting on that judgment or is there anything like that that's possible?
1: No, we're all we're all squared up. I didn't want to lose my house. So and and again, it's like they the the work that matt Taibbi has done has been influ- uh, like i have a lawsuit currently against cnn uh politico uh, uh, oh. The Biden, uh, the campaign to elect Joe Biden and Adam Schiff. So,
2: okay, that so, information
1: yeah. coming from Twitter, yeah. especially since that case is based on the collusion to commit defamation over this whole Russia disinformation, yeah, party, uh, That that's been uh, phenomenal. So, I'm I'm really excited. I can't wait to have more. I I, I pop popcorn uh, every time the Twitter.
2: <laughs> well, that's that's actually really good news. That's a, that's a, that's a an ancillary benefit. I'm I'm actually glad you said that. Um, and. And frankly, uh, if I can say, John Paul, um, we're, again, we're with John Paul Mac Isaac, who is the uh, author of the book American Justice, My Battle to Expose the Truth. He's the guy who had the great fortune of starting his own business, uh, laptop repair, computer repair, had the great misfortune of receiving Hunter Biden's laptop and the rest is uh, will be in the history books. Uh, but if I can say, you, know, you ought to write this, this part of this up about um, where you are in terms of going forward on the, the rest of the lawsuits, because that's a different aspect I had not even considered About How the transparency at Twitter is going to help people, you know, get to the bottom of things in other spaces, because if you can say, hey, look what Twitter did. This is how they did it. It feels like that's what CNN was doing and Politico was doing and others were doing. Make them defend themselves. That's that. That may not be uh, automatic in court, but it's helpful. It's really helpful.
1: And, and it's, it's going to help get us to discovery. And that's the yeah, name. Again. Exactly. exactly. Uh, you know, and, and this is just Twitter. Uh, imagine yeah. how many Jim Bakers are in uh, <laughs> Facebook yeah. and in, yeah. uh, in Google. So, yeah. uh, you know, this is this is the start of something that's, you know, I've been very patient for the last couple of years. I can be very patient. I just need to keep my chin up and my head down and, and yeah. uh, keep putting oh, pressure okay. on these people.
2: Well, John, Paul, Mac, Isaac, uh, you're always welcome on my show. We we love to get the word out to people across the country about what you're doing. I I think, again, back to what you said at the beginning of the interview, there's not that many people that have had the courage. We'll we'll clean it up for the the family, the courage to stand up uh, like you did and uh, like a few others have done. Uh, John Paul's new book is American Injustice, My Battle to Expose the Truth. It's an ongoing battle. You can hear it in his voice and in his uh, plans. Post Hill Press uh, has uh, published this book. So uh, thank you. Uh, John Paul, we'll have you on again, okay?
1: Thank you very much for the opportunity to share my story.
2: All right. Uh, John Paul Mac Isaac, again, his book is American Injustice My Battle to Expose the Truth. We'll be right back, everybody. Ed Martin here on the Pro America Report. Back in a moment. Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Uh, Great pleasure to have Kevin Sorbo back. Uh, with us is on the show a, a while ago. I can't even remember as I was thinking about it, Kevin. Uh, when the last time you are, on, but if you go to the, he's got a new movie, and I want to say the website a hundred times because it's the best place to go. You can find out where to buy tickets, find out more about it, watch the trailer. Leftbehindmovie.com. dot com. dot com. The trailer is phenomenal. And here's the thing: I was telling you, Kevin, off the air. Uh, Kevin Sorbo, of course, uh, well known as an actor himself, but now uh, also producing films, and and uh, and uh, he and his wife are a force of sort of culture Conservatism, and uh, I started reading uh, the Jerry Jenkins uh, uh, LaHay books about three months ago. I'd never read them, Kevin, and so I'm reading the Left Behind series. And I get an email or a text, I think might have been from your wife, saying, "Hey, you know, Kevin's got this movie coming up in a few months. You got to get him get on." And and so it's first of all, it's a great story for this moment. I mean, the yeah. Left Behind books are great, but if you're a believer, you're faithful, if you believe in Christ, but it, it also sort of captures this sort of like sense that anything could happen. It feels very uh, real. Now, you probably started this movie a couple of years ago in development, so the timing couldn't be better, though.
3: Oh, yeah. I mean, look, they they did – this is a sequel to the movie that came out in 2014 with Nicolas Cage starring in the role that I took over in this movie. It's a Rayford Steele role for people that don't know the books. He was a pilot in the, in the movie yep. – in the books, I mean. And um, – so they got inundated with emails back in 2014. That's the same year my movie God's Not Dead came out. Yeah, and Cloud right, 10, right. Cloud 10 out of, out of Toronto that owns yep. the rights to the books said that they had so many emails from people saying, why do you have Nick Cage playing that role? It should be Kevin Sorbo. So <laughs> they came and visited me seven years ago when I was at the time when I was living in California. So I live in Florida now and, uh, uh, so they said you're going to be the, you're going to be ready for the film next movie so about uh two years ago they said okay we're ready to go they had other things they had to work out with other movies and stuff and they said we're going to rewrite the script completely though because what's the chaos that's going in the world today yeah exactly so they right. rewrote it up until we started filming we filmed this about uh November December of last year so just uh I, I, over a year ago over a year ago so um here it is 13 months later it's finally out it's when I say finally that's a pretty quick turnaround really for most movies Right. And and, uh, so we're very excited for it because they wanted to make it up to date. I mean, we talk about a one world government. We talk about, uh, you know, the, the, the lies in the mainstream media. We talk about the, the pandemic. We talk about all this kind of stuff. And you look at the, you know, we talk about the violence and the hate and the chaos and the, and the, the, the murders and violence and just the craziness of the world. As, as Sam said to me, she goes, I feel like the rapture happened already because of the way the world is and we all got left behind. So it's yeah. kind of a perfect time for what this movie is because it's really hitting right now. and I tell you, Jen- Jerry Jenkins, who is the co author yeah. along with Tim LaHaye, uh-huh. he came out with a quote last week after seeing it. He said, This is by far and away the best Left Behind movie ever made, mm-hmm. and it's perfect for our times.
2: Well, and so let me and let me set it up for for uh, listeners, and you can correct me. But because the sure. stories, there the books start out the first one, the first book, which as you refer to as the previous movie, is that the rapture happens, and so people are moving along their lives. One guy is a pilot, as you mentioned, the main character, which you play, Rayford Steele, and and his wife and son are gone. His daughter is not because they're they're taken up in the rapture, and he's left behind. And then then what happens is next, and this was this is the best. The second book is my favorite now that I've read the first three because the second one is where it's the rise and the title of your one is the rise of the antichrist there starts to be this coming together of this leader at the un and in fact jerry jenkins and and, and la wrote it it's the un and and coming together and dominating the world and as you did the movie you mentioned that you're rewriting the script so many things you just said happening COVID, everything else did it cha- did it did it change because of that i mean did, did the movie take on that feel because of where we were
3: well, they just looked at it and said, okay, the chaos of the book of Revelation and the Bible is is unbelievable. I mean, it's like, right. you know, when John wrote it, was like an acid trip when you read it for the yeah. first time. <laughs> so they it, it really wanted to make it current. They wanted to make what was happening in the world right now. And then, and the, the, like I said, the craziness of it. So they put it all in there, which I thought was great. Um, I, lo- I love the fact that they did, you know, I mean, I was the one that was the atheist that would never believe it. My wife was a Christian and my son was. They were taken. And like I tell my daughter, I said, look, we saw it happen right before before our very eyes come on right. how, how can we deny this and of course people will deny people like you know we bring out the movie oh, people, oh it's a, it had to be aliens or something like that but then yeah. you got a group of people like myself that go down that road to find their redemption find that hope there's so many people will certainly be looking for because i've got atheist friends i got agnostic friends they're right. good people they just right. don't have a belief and they're going to be left behind and that's just the way it's going to be as i say to them i go look if i'm wrong i've gained i've lost nothing but if i'm right Sorry, dudes. I'll see you later. You know? Yeah,
2: exactly. So. Well, well and, and, and in the, in the, in the book, uh, at least the books, um, one of the powerful things you point out is the ones that are left behind obviously have to grapple with that. And some people are like, oh, no, yep. no, that's not, nothing big. And some people are really touched, which is sort of, to me, a, a metaphor that, you know, while we're waiting, you know, while we don't know what the hour is, there's a part of us that has to sort of get, get raptured, you know, get real now. Realize where we could be missing out. By the way, Kevin Sorbo's and Corbin Bernson is excellent. By the way, I mean, I, I didn't kind of know that would be this kind his kind of movie, or maybe it's maybe it's just a movie that he, he's good at playing. Now he's, a, yeah. he's he's
3: a friend. We worked on Psych together. I did uh-huh. a couple guest spots, and I just said, "Dude, you got to be, be in this movie." He loved the script. I mean, <laughs> yeah. Neil McDonough was great in it too. Bailey he Chase was. is great. Yeah. Uh, Greg Perot plays the news guy a fan. This is a big breakout role from Sarah Fisher, who plays my daughter. I love the fact they leave the college daughter behind because let's face it, how many yeah. college kids will go <laughs> to go to heaven? Yeah, <laughs> you know? exactly. They're, they're all, they believe in they believe in communism for a out loud.
2: Yeah, exactly. Uh, the, the movie again is "Left Behind." Rise of the Antichrist. Uh, Left Behind Movie dot com. Kevin, you've made a, a, you've been b- both a mega superstar of the se- of the secular Hollywood, and then you've been a very successful, say, you know, conservative Christian uh, producer, actor. Like you've you've been able to do that, and some people, you know, haven't been able. To, but are you seeing the signs that people not only want this kind of movie, but they'll pay to make it? Because this doesn't look like a this. This looks like the next step in terms of production in terms of the quality of the actors and all are you feeling that momentum
3: yeah I, mean, I think it's been coming on for about 10 years now it's just really sort of accelerating I think more and more people are not being afraid to step forward that want to work on these kind of movies right. that want to work on I mean you get, you get great people, uh, on the other side of the camera that want to work as well, that have wonderful, uh, you know, tech, technical abilities, whether it's hair and makeup and wardrobe, or whether it's the camera guys and lighting guys and the cameras we have today are, are cheap. So anybody, I mean, Mike, these movies look just as good as a James Cameron thing minus the, you know, $200 million in special effects. So, right, right. um, it, it, I think more and more people want to do these movies. I get, I, I get Hollywood reach, people reach out to me all the time to sorbostudios.com. They say, look, I'm camera operator. I'm tired of the crap Hollywood's making me film. I would love to work with you. I love what you stand for. I love that you have the guts to just kind of not to be out there and be a target for all these people that have nothing but hate and anger in their lives. So I'm getting that from a lot of different people out there. So it's out there. And I get people that come up to me in every movie and say, thanks for being a voice for us, dude. I go, well, be a voice for yourself. Don't be afraid (laughs) to speak out. We need the lions to wake up. The sheep are going to be the sheep, the people that want the government to take care of them, the people that have just given up on life. And they're they're the ones that fill with anger and hate that attack you." You and me for speaking the truth, but I don't care. It doesn't affect my lifestyle. They're the ones that keep digging a deeper hole for themselves.
2: Uh, Left behind, Rise of the Antichrist. The movie comes out on January twenty sixth. So that's a it's a, and and it's one of these ones. If you go on the website, um, you can track down all the different places. How 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 important is a movie like this in those first like months? First, I, I hear people tell me all the time, but it's kind of it's kind of
3: important to push early, right? So people. Oh, we got we need word of mouth. You know, I yeah. dude a movie called God's Not Dead. That was that yeah. was a huge hit. But I did a movie before before that called what if same writer said did God's not dead much better movie and yet you know it got very limited play because people didn't know about it I get people here 12 years later saying hey I just heard to saw this movie what if you did it's awesome so I told the director who happens to be Dallas Jenkins wow. who's doing the cho- who's doing the chosen now his father Jerry Jenkins fun of that movie so here I am full circle now actually directing <laughs> I, dire- I directed this movie as well a movie that's based off one of his books so it's kind of cool
2: very cool Um, by the way SorboStudios.com I, I, you can go and see Kevin all the different things Kevin's doing right now by the way uh, you'll see front and center uh, the trailer again for uh, the movie Let Behind Rise of the Antichrist but there's a lot of, of going on there Um, uh, what what about the movie is I don't know what is it to be on it'll be unexpected to viewers I mean what would you say I mean the topic is re- see the thing about the books was I, I, I bounced along the books even though I knew it was theological and I knew it was you know God stuff I just was energized by the story like i wanted to see what happened to buck and what happened to chloe and 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 you know i i it's what's surprising in the movie for for viewers what do, how do you get them to think uh why to be here watch this
3: well, I think I think it offers hope. It offers something that I think so many people are looking for, well, no matter what side of the political aisle you're on or the religious aisle you're on. I think it's something that people are looking for hope. They're looking for answers. They saw what COVID did where government just used its favorite weapon, fear, to control everybody's lives. And there was only a handful of people that fought back and said, this is ridiculous, guys, you know, wearing the stupid masks and, you know, not going out to parks and closing down gyms. But, hey, strip clubs are okay. Liquor stores are okay. I mean, how, how what does it take? to see through the ridiculousness of all of that. And now they're, of course, trying to backtrack that. But, of course, that's what they did. So th- I think people, I hope they walk out and they talk about the characters, the character development, that maybe people they relate to in a good or bad way. I hope that they open the book of Revelation and read. I hey, you know, this is interesting. Let's take a look at that anyway. Maybe they'll meet, get them to read more of the Bible. I don't know. But I get stopped by atheists, agnostics at airports, hotel lobbies, saying, dude, you know, I saw your movie, God's Not Dead. It was kind of cool. I thought it was all right. And that, to me, is a win. I, I yeah. want everybody to see yeah. this movie and I hope people will go see this movie and we need it we only get a four day run and if it's not filled up these theaters trust me we will not get a second week or a third week and we need that and people come up to me all the time and say please make more movies like you're making well then support them yeah tell your church yeah. to stop being woke and yeah. show up to these places <laughs> yeah. and support these movies
2: yeah, uh, Left Behind, by the way, LeftBehindMovie.com, LeftBehindMovie.com, you can click there, watch the trailer, then you'll want to see it, then you click on Get Tickets Here, and it'll tell you where near you are the tickets. Hey, Kevin, thank you for carving some time out, I know you're in the middle of the push here, so we'll help uh, any way we can, uh, best of luck, uh, God bless
3: you, and thanks for what you're doing. All right, really appreciate it, and we'll talk uh, in the fall about my other movie, Miracle in East Texas.
2: All right, I love it, okay, Kevin Sorbo, he's everywhere, man, it's great, and uh, he's only surpassed by the quality of his wife and his family. His son's been on the program. He's super, too. So uh, we'll put it all up on social media, and we'll be right back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Back in a moment.
0: This is the Phyllis Schlafly Report, a daily broadcast from Phyllis Schlafly Eagles, a national volunteer organization founded by Phyllis Schlafly and continuing to uphold her legacy by opposing radical feminism and representing a traditional conservative perspective in our nation's capital. And now, from the archives of Phyllis Schlafly Eagles, here is Phyllis Schlafly.
4: The University of California, one of our biggest university systems, has decided that the First Amendment right to free speech should be thrown out because of supposed unintended insults known as microaggressions. Microaggression is the liberal idea that certain phrases and questions should not be used because the speaker may be offending somebody without even knowing it. In a series of memos to university faculty, professors were told not to ask students where they are from because that might offend somebody. They also said that professors should not ask minority students who are struggling to find the right classroom if they are lost because that might imply that the professor does not think that the student belongs at college. The memos even said that professors should not say that America is the land of opportunity, because that system assumes that race and gender do not play a role in life's successes. The leadership at the University of California was able to get away with imposing this ridiculous speech code on professors, but not on the students. When the administration decided to make a similar speech code for students, the outcry from the student body was tremendous. At the meeting where the university regents voted on the code, many students spoke out against the infringement on their constitutional rights. Because of the tremendous resistance from students, the measure was voted down. It is important to be aware of buzzwords like microaggression that liberals use to control what can and cannot be said on college campuses. Similar measures are being brought to colleges all across America, and it's important to fight those measures so that professors are free to teach history as it really happened and not as the liberals wish it had happened.
0: This has been the Phyllis Schlafly Report from Phyllis Schlafly Eagles. On college campuses and social media, in boardrooms and the public square, conservative voices are being silenced. What happened to free speech or to the First Amendment? At phyllisschlafly.com, we're still listening. So let us hear from you at phyllisschlafly.com. Thanks for joining us and come back again next time for the Phyllis Schlafly Report.
2: Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Here is a crazy story. I wanted to touch on this. I think I told you that I get in the morning an email about two in the morning. Um, I get an email from Politico. I signed up for their EU update. Their European Union update, and it's actually pretty valuable because you you can see exactly what's going on. There's so much going on, by the way, the European Union and the and the European Parliament and all. It's extraordinary how much is going on. What a bureaucracy they created in just a few short years, maybe twenty five years. It's unbelievable. But but here's an incredible story. One of the members of Parliament um, is has been sanctioned. A Swedish member of Parliament of the European Union Parliament, Monica Silvana Gonzalez, okay? Oh, excuse me, not Swedish, Spanish. I apologize. She she was sanctioned for psychologically harassing three of her staff. And, but here's the great thing. She, the punishment was that she was, she had 30 days of her daily stipend, 38 euros. Uh, that's called an appearance bonus. That means like you're showing up money. If you show up for work, you get 38 extra European Union uh, euros, and this woman was because she psychologically harassed three of her staff. She lost thirty days of her appearance bonus. Now, uh, on one level, I say, does that mean she's not going to show up and then she doesn't get it, or does it doesn't mean that she's going to show up and she doesn't get it? But thirty times thirty-eight is uh, get me correct me if I'm wrong. It's it's uh, maybe a little over a thousand euros. I mean, my, my math isn't that good, and also. She's been banned from parliamentary work. So she loses a thousand euros and doesn't have to go to work for 30 days for psychologically harassing. I mean, there's multi-levels of this that so make me smile. What is psychologically harassing three workers? Does that mean, you know, I mean, is it harassing? Sexual harassing, I think we have some definitions for that. I know physically intimidating, we have some for that. But psychologically harassing three workers that's a new one. That's a new one. Can you imagine if every workplace, including Congress, was going to uh, uh, enforce psychological harassment? It'd be pretty wild. Anyway, all right. Listen, don't forget, please support Kevin Sorbo's new movie, Left Behind. Uh, we need to get that thing succeeding. So please uh, head out and help him uh, by going and signing up to, sh- to see that. Um, and I will be back uh, later. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Thank you for listening. Be back tomorrow.